up for the band this morning. So as we get into Ephesians chapter 2 this morning, let me call your attention to a really big thing for us, which is the six-week challenge. Maybe y'all see this beautiful picture of our very own Courtney Fox on the front. Hey, where you at, Courtney? I think you're in here today. Amen. So, but on but the other side, the, the second most important side of this card, okay, so you can put your name and phone. So there's, there's a few challenges that we're going to, that we're challenging you on. Challenge, challenge. Okay, so first groups. Okay, so I want you to think about your interaction with groups. So we, we have groups that meet Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday nights. And we meet in homes throughout the week. We eat a meal together. Then we study the Bible together. Then we pray for each other. It's a pretty simple deal. And so our challenge, if you've never been to a group, our challenge is for you to visit a group in the next six weeks. Thus the six-week challenge. Or maybe you visited a group, but you're not really sure. Maybe you went to one group, and they didn't smell like you wanted, so maybe you tried that group. You haven't decided yet. We have five or six groups that we, we can invite you to. So if you didn't like those people on that one, you can go to another one. Okay, so then you can go all in on actually joining a group. But really, all in is hosting a group. I'm not going to lie to you. Hosting is a big responsibility where every single week you got to make your house at least a little clean so that people can meet in it, okay? But hosting is not leading the group but just making your home available. We are out of living rooms this morning throughout the week. So if you want to host a group, talk to your boy today. Giving, okay, so maybe you've, you've, you don't typically give. You know, I'm talking about your money. Hello. Okay, so, but, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start, okay, I'm going to start giving over the next six weeks. Maybe that's a one-time gift or even a recurring gift. You know, recurring gifts, I'll be honest with you, are, if you set it up on the website, it's the most helpful thing for us because we can actually plan out what the next few months look like because we can see what's coming. And then tithing, if that's a foreign word to you, we'd love to talk to you about it. It's a scriptural word, which means 10%, okay. So that's the challenge. There's serving. There's five different ways that you can serve. Sharing. Uh, just like Lori, great job this morning, Lori. Just like Lori challenged you, in the next six weeks, I'm going to share about Redemption City to somebody that I come in contact with. So we have blue cards for you, or you can just tell them. All right, so like I said, Ephesians chapter 2, we're continuing. Uh, you'll hear more about the six-week challenge for about six weeks. Y'all are doing great. Is this thing on? Come on, everybody. I know I'll talk to you about your money for a second. We're not going back. Just come on with me. Okay, so the title of my sermon today out of Ephesians 2, 11 to 22 is Making Peace Among Rivals, which is kind of Jesus' thing. And, you know, we have rivalries all around the world, all, all across the world, right, from lighthearted to super serious rivalries, from, and then also some that should be lighthearted but are super serious, you know. So uh, I grew up in a household that was avidly about SEC football. Okay? <laughs> that you amen. Okay, so... And honestly, we don't even really watch a lot of the NFL coming up. Now I do. Go Cowboys. Uh, but then it was all about SEC. I went to Mississippi State, so I'm all dog. And so my rival is Ole Miss. Ole Miss versus the Taliban. I'm not sure. It's a joke. Chill out. So not 100%. So that's my rival. There's a real hatred. Not that I have, but that some people have across that rivalry. So rivalry is a balance. Like Coke versus Pepsi, the choice is clear. But that is kind of a rivalry. Nas versus Jay-Z. I don't know which side of the aisle you're on there. Uh, Apple, Samsung. All about Sam. Okay, okay, if you could. Yep. Uh, amens only over here. Thank you. So you know, I love right now Samsung. They're like, hey, we made a flip phone. We're like, we're good. Thank you. So uh, we had it in ninth grade. We're good. So you have Real Madrid versus Barcelona. Not, no, you don't care about the yeah, Madrid. I, I, there's at least a handful of y'all that care about that. So. But one rivalry that was actually very serious existed a couple thousand years ago in, when Ephesians was written. It was Jew versus Gentile. They really hated each other. Like, not like, it was way deeper than Cowboys-Eagles, okay? 
These people, so even it's even written from back in the day, if a Jewish person saw a Gentile woman in labor and she's, she needs help, they wouldn't even help the Gentile woman in that scenario because they didn't want to help another heathen come into the world. And they hated each other. So th this rivalry was cultural, racial, religious, and again, very, very complex. So, but from the time Jewish kids were born, I mean, their aunts and uncles, mom, dad, grandparents would teach them to despise Gentile people people of different ethnicity. And then now Jesus comes, saves everybody. Now they find them church, themselves together in church on Sunday morning. So like, what do we do with this? So they had real significant barriers to unity in the churches in Ephesus. So let's read Ephesians 2, verses 11 to 22. Therefore, remember, you guys, that there was a time when you, Gentile, when you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, well, I'll explain all that, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. There was a time that you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenants of promise. You had no hope. You were without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Not your doing, it's his doing. For he himself... Jesus is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in, the, in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, verse 16, and that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility that exists between you two groups. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through Jesus, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. You see the Trinity all in that verse. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone of the church. In whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. That's who we are together. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Wow. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Paul starts in verse 11 and says, Therefore, and I am contractually obligated as a minister of God, every time that occurs in the scriptures, to say, we need to find out with a therefore, I grew up in church this morning. So what is the therefore, therefore? What does Paul just say? We looked at it verses 1 and 10 last week. You were dead. Paul said, you were following the course of this world, but God made you alive, and now you're his workmanship. You're his masterpiece. You're a po your life is a poem that he's writing, and he created good works for you. He created a good path for you. Jesus is not just the truth and the life. He's the way. He created a good way for you to live in the rest of your days on earth and forever. So therefore, you were dead. Remember, he says, remember that you were separated from God. You were alienated, strangers of the covenant. Remember that you had, past tense, no hope without God. And I'm not exactly sure why, um, but people who go to church and who live righteously, there's something about that that makes you arrogant. Amen. Okay. I don't know why, you know, but, you know, a lot of people in our city hate church because they've been. And... Uh, you know, Christi Christians kind of across the world have this rap for kind of being judgmental, and that's because 
Sometimes we're judgmental. So he's like, you remember, right? You remember that you didn't save yourself. You remember that there was a time when you had no hope. You remember that, that you were stinky and smelly and wretched from God, but he brought you in, not because of your good works, but because of his. It's good to remember that every now and then. Without remembering that, what we end up doing is we go, oh, I'm so good. I'm just, I've got it all together. So, but if those people, if they would act like me and think like me and vote like me, man, this whole thing would be awesome. But we have to remember that there was a time, okay, just here's, here's what he wants you to remember. You're not good. I am not good. Jesus is good. That takes all the weight off of our shoulders to, to do and perform. But we tend to flip that around, okay? But the best thing about me is Jesus. The best thing about you is Jesus. Not that you smell a little bit better than you did BC, okay, but that Jesus saved you. And I have found, I found that Christianity is so much more enjoyable when I make it about Christ. It's the craziest thing. When I make Christianity about Christ instead of about Matt, the whole thing becomes much, much better. And all I have to boast about is Jesus. We saw that in verse 9 of chapter 2. So, any, so the, the, the biblical teaching, all throughout the New Testament, the biblical teaching is any good you see come out of Matt is in despite of Matt. Any good you see come out of me is actually Jesus saving me from what I would have done otherwise. So I can take no credit for anything good that comes out of me because it's actually Jesus coming through me. So that's the first application point for the day. I want you to remember, I really would love for you to spend time thinking about, maybe even journaling about this week, is I need to remember that I was lost. There was a time, okay? So what was that like? Well, just, just remember that a little bit. Again, not to like rub our nose in the dirt or anything, but so that, you know, today is a lot better when you remember how it was in my experience. So that's the first application point. I really want you to write down and think about this week. It's good to remember. So spend some time thinking about what Paul asks you to remember in verses 11 and 12. Look at verse 13 again. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. So Paul is impressing on these Jewish Christians that they don't have some sort of home field advantage with God. He's like, just because Jesus is Jewish doesn't mean you have some kind of higher status in the church, my Jewish brethren. Okay, so, uh, and it says in verse 14, he says, now you're not Jews and Gentiles, two different camps, but now you're Christians. He said, I've made you both one. He says that kind of thing several times in this text. So instead of coming under those banners of allegiance, I'm Jewish and I'm a Gentile, now we're coming under one banner of allegiance, and that's Christian, under one banner of Christ. And he's saying that unity does not come from y'all liking the same music or eating the same food or being like each other, voting for the same person. The unity that he's talking about comes from Jesus himself. It's given by Christ. Verse 14 again says that Jesus has broken down the walls of hostility. He is our peace. We don't get peace from our 401k that's growing and growing. We don't get peace from hanging out with people who are just like us. Our peace is a person. Jesus himself embodies the tranquil, calm, soul at rest. Uh, he embodies that whole spirit and he offers it to us today. And he offers, and, and what he's saying in this verse, so he's offering, even through the storms of life, like we sang about a second ago, even through the storms of life, we can have peace. And then as a people, as a church, we can have peace as we depend on him more and more and more. You know, any area of your life where there is a vacancy of peace, that's where Jesus wants to invade. That's where he wants you to depend on him all the more. So again, out of our peace, as Jesus brings us our peace, out of our peace as a body, then comes unity. That The natural outflow 
of peace as a body is unity. So from separate groups to one body, from divided, you know, worldly rivalries, worldly walls to living under one roof. So that's my second, second application point this morning, okay? Think about, I want you to write down, I want you to own personally is I need to make peace in our church. Je- Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Doesn't just happen. Believe you me, I've been in church work for 20 years. It does not just happen. So write that I need to make peace. And y'all, I can't do that alone. Okay, Pastor Jeffrey can't give us peace with his angelic voice alone. Okay, we need a lot more than that. Oh, that's a good head start. Amen. But unity is achieved when we lay down walls that divide. And these walls are all around us. It easily creeps in. But Jesus has united, we see in the text, two deeply segregated, separated people in Jew and Gentile, different ethnicities. And he's created us into an entirely new people called Christians, okay? Many of you remember, maybe in 1987, uh, I was just a little boy, Jim and I were just boys at the time, okay? But in 1987, uh, President Ronald Reagan famously, he went over to, the East, to Eastern Europe, and he stood in front of the Berlin Wall, a symbol of repressive communist era in a divided Germany, and he, y'all know what he said, famously said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, Right? And so Jesus comes to the Ephesian church, and he comes to Redemption City Church this morning, and he says, tear down any wall that divides you, okay? Any racial or ethnic walls work to tear them down. There is no place for racism in God's church, not a hint of it, okay? Uh, any walls of language, tear it down. That's why we sing songs in Spanish and we do different things. Any walls of man-made division, tear it down. That's our job, each of us within our church. You know, honestly, I think the biggest dividing wall in America today is, and in Fort Worth is politics. I mean, and, and you'll never hear me making light of politics. Like, oh, it doesn't matter. Let's just love each other. Okay, yeah, politics, I, I have strong opinions on all of it. Okay, I vote religiously. But if I can't be in unity with somebody because of our opinions of size of government, you know, uh, like, again, yes, consequential. Okay, it matters, but, but politics and hot takes are tearing this country apart in what seems like irreparable ways. But that's not God's way. These are man-made divisions have no place in God's church. So Paul says to the Ephesians, instead of coming under your ethnic banner, Jew and Gentile, you're now one. You're now under the banner of Christ. So instead of placing your life under the banner of a donkey or an elephant, again, all that's fine, okay? But instead of doing that, now you're one in Christ. The higher, the superseding thing of your life, your highest allegiance is to Christ and Him crucified. Okay, we can be in unity together. And remember, too, so an ethnically Jewish person that he's saying this to is still ethnically Jewish, right? So he's not like saying, like, everybody just kind of like the same food and do the same things. He's not saying that at all. You can't be a Republican. You can't be black anymore. No, he's not saying that at all, okay? You, you still you get to enjoy your culture and enjoy the things of your culture. But what he's helping us have is unity. Ephesians from 1 all the way through Ephesians, Ephesians is about Unity. So one thing that I love so much about our church, that you can't manipulate or whatever, so you can't just do through marketing. Okay, one thing I love about our church is that we are diverse. Racially and different ages and backgrounds, we come from all kind of different places and peoples and all kind of things in this room. And I love that. Even a few weeks ago, we had our potluck. I remember we let our inner Baptist out and had a potluck. Uh, Gen Z, that's when we all bring food and we put it on the table together. Okay. So it's funny, a couple of Gen Zers were even like, that was a great idea. It's like, it's kind of, we've done it before in the church, but <laughs> all right. So, uh, so but if, if you looked at the food table a few weeks ago, you saw all kinds of cultures on the table. I mean, we had true Mexican food. Amen. We had Asian cuisine. We had 
black people mac and cheese and white people mac and cheese. How many of y'all know those two different? Okay, amen. There's some very tangible benefits. You know, even last Wednesday night at my small group, Cat Delgado made strawberry horchata. Y'all, Jesus was there, okay? But unity is not achieved by sameness. Unity is achieved through diversity. Unity is not achieved by, okay, we all like Asian cuisine so we can have a church together. No, it's through diversity that we can find what Jesus is really trying to get us to find. You know, <laughs> I know I'm being recorded, and I'll be, I'll be careful here. Uh, but people today act like they came up with all this. Like, oh, diversity didn't exist until we talked about it in college. No, this is actually, so this, this document that we're reading today is 2,000 years old. We've been on this. Christianity has been on this. No other world religion is as diverse as Christianity. There are rare exceptions to the rule, but, you know, Islam, Hinduism, the world's religions are not as racially diverse as the people of Jesus. Look it up, okay? You want to know why that is? Why are we the most diverse people in the world? Because that's the way Jesus wants it. That's his heart. We, we are following, and I'm off script here, but I was, we went, my wife and I went to a concert on Friday night. Michael Buble, it was great. All right, so I act like I took her to the concert, but I wanted to be there just as much as her. All right, so, so, but during the concert, and I love, that's my guy Buble, he's a good guy. But he's like, he made this whole push about how, oh, look, there's every color of the rainbow in here, and let's just be unified, like they came up with it. Galatians, the book before Ephesians, Galatians says, in Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, not slave and free, not male and female. You're all one in Christ Jesus for 2,000 years. This has been the message of Christ. It's not these divisions among you, but you can like Greek food, you can like Jewish food, that's not it. But we can be one together through the dividing walls that the world puts up between us, okay? We can still achieve unity. You know, Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan, not the Good Jew, and it, would, and it ticked off every Jew that he told that story. They couldn't believe. The Samaritan is the hero of that story? Word? Really? You know, the, the first missionary sent out in Acts was a black eunuch. It didn't fit any, he didn't fit, he didn't fit into any comfortable category of that day. Yeah, that's the first missionary sent out. We've been on this for 2,000 years. This is who we are. The world doesn't get to act like they came up with inclusion. Okay. Tom Holland, not, the, not Superman, I mean uh, Spider-Man, excuse me. Uh, so the, one of the most popular historians, he's a secular historian, his name's Tom Holland. Pretty unfortunate that the other Tom Holland's been so famous. But Tom Holland's latest book, it, he talks all about how inclusion and even things like us being upset about the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, that doesn't exist without Christian hospitality. That doesn't exist without the message of Jesus. Okay, so again, for 2,000 years, this is who we are. We fight. For unity through diversity. Christianity is exploding in Africa and South America right now because Jesus' message reaches every corner of the globe. We have people in every country in the world, and that's because Jesus loves everybody. That's because Jesus wants everybody. And that goes back to Paul's point in verse 12. Jewish Christians don't have some sort of home field advantage. Jesus came to save the world. Do you remember John 3, 16? Since he wrote it all, I'll put it right here. For God so loved the world. It doesn't say God, God since God kind of loves some of the people in the world. No. Every word in the Bible is purposeful. For God so loved the whole world that he gave his son. That whoever, any tongue, any tribe, whoever believes in Jesus 
is not going to perish but have eternal life. He didn't just love all the people in the world. He so loves. So yesterday, Cole uh, had a football game. The young man who was baptized earlier. Okay, so he had a football game. And I'll be honest, the dude's a baller. That's not just... (laughs) He is, okay? He's really... He's that dude, okay? And he's the quarterback of his team. And so when I'm watching Cole play... I'm not just kind of like this, like flipping some, and people yell. I'm like, oh, what happened? No, I'm all in. I'm leaned in. I embarrass my family with my reactions half the time. Cole, yesterday, again, quarterback and a wide receiver ran the wrong route, and so he had to improvise, and he hits one of his other teammates in the chest. Touchdown. So what do I do? Oh, cool. No. Touchdown. Tom Brady wasn't doing that at nine. MVP. You know, because I don't just love this kid. I so Love Cole, right? My little girl's got a basketball game today after church, okay? So she's going to block somebody out and grab a rebound, and I'm going to go nuts, okay? I'm going to try to keep my shirt on, okay? But I'm going to go nuts. Because I don't just love these kids. I so love. And so Jesus doesn't just, you know, love Hispanic people and Asian people and Native American people and white people and black people and every kind of people. He so loves the whole world. He so loves Everybody, And he wants us to come together under one banner and show the world who he really is. When Paul was writing this letter, by the way, there was a literal wall that kept the Gentiles out of the temple. Okay, Excluding a group of people from worship based on their ethnicity. First century historian Josephus even writes about how there was this dividing wall of hostility, as it were. And along the wall, as the, as the Gentiles, if they would have proceeded forward, there were messages that were like, hey, stay out. No, seriously, go away. Don't come this way. Threatening their lives if they kept going into the temple. Stay out, the, church said, the temple said to these people. Then Jesus died for our sins. He rose again to life and victory, and he tore down the walls of hostility. And now it is your responsibility and mine to make sure that we never build up walls to keep people out again. That's up to all of us. Read verses 17 and 18 one more time. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we have access to one spirit, to the Father. Near, far, wherever you are, we reconcile to God and each other through Jesus. Then he says in verse 19, okay, now, now you're not strangers. Now you're not aliens. You're a member of the family. You're fellow citizens in God's kingdom. So Courtney and I are actually going out of the country tomorrow. And it, for those of you who have, one of my children just clap. Okay. All right. So they get to stay with their grandparents. They're pretty fired up. So we're going out of the country tomorrow. And if you've been out of the country, you know, you, you kind of feel foreign when you're in a foreign land. So we're going to have, like, copies of our passports. I'm going to put an air tag in Courtney's fanny pack because she travels with a fanny pack. I'm not making that up. So I'm going to put an air tag in there so that I can't lose her. I can find her if anything happens, right? So because when you're in a foreign land, I'm sorry. When you're in a foreign land, you kind of feel it the whole time, right? Like, hey, you know, you feel foreign in a foreign land. Well, church should never feel that way to a child of God. That's why we say welcome home every single week. Is that We want you to remember that's who you're with and where you are. We can meet in a YMCA or wherever we want to meet because you're with family. Okay, this is our living room together. You're not accepted into this family, by the way, because you're good. You're accepted into this family because Jesus is good. And your passport as a citizen, your passport into the kingdom of God is stamped with the king's blood. You're here because Jesus wants you here. 
Your citizenship is secure. Your, your, your place is safe. And somebody even asked me recently, like, how are y'all growing in diversity? How are y'all growing in, you know, different ages and backgrounds and all these different things? And I, I, I really think, I just want to commend you that I, we're living, you are living out this text already. That we're living, that you are truly the most welcoming people I've ever been a part of. So there's no secret handshake, no entry test. You guys welcome anybody in who will come. And I'm so proud of you about that. And I want us to go to the next level and go even you know, to love, to hug people even firmer or whatever it is, right? So, and this family, it says in verses 21 and 22, is being joined together. We're built together as God is building his church brick by brick. And you're the bricks. We're the bricks. So again, we can meet wherever because we are the church. A building is not a church. So verse 20 says that Jesus is the cornerstone, that he's the foundation of the whole building. And then he builds his church person by person. Story of redemption by story of redemption. So that's our third application point for the day. I can take part in building God's church. It's not just the pastor's job. It's not just the key volunteer's job. I, put your name on it, can take part, and I need to take part in building God's church. That's why we're doing the six-week challenge. So I encourage you, we're going to take up the offering in a minute to, to maybe fill out just a second. Or feel free to take it home and think about it as well, but you can drop it in the offering bucket here in just a minute. But that's why we're doing this is so that you know that you're part of this. You can take part in propelling God's mission further in Fort Worth and around the world. You can do that by pursuing unity, like we're talking about, by truly valuing people of other ethnicities, by tearing down walls. You can do that in a big way. You, do, you build God's churches by including outsiders, so inviting people, you know, coworkers and friends and family members into our church body, into our church family, because you know we're going to welcome them in. By giving sacrificially, by serving, you see those ways, and by being welcoming. And so when we talk about being welcoming... Don't let that just be a theory. You know, walk across the room and hug somebody, right? Invite somebody from this room to your house for dinner or out for dinner. Don't hold back joy when you see somebody at church or at your small group. Man, go all in, okay? 